out. We're going to hand straight over to Pastor John. Yes, praise the Lord. Fantastic to have so many visitors with us here today and all the people said. Some of you have been to our camp and others have uh, no doubt around because it's uh, holiday time of the year. Uh, welcome. So uh, great to hear testimony from our brother Phil all the way from Bunbury. And uh, we're going to hear from Nigel and family in, in song a little bit later on. So we'll get down to business. Now, just before we start, uh, we are under a lot of pressure, I think you know, from the council, the fire safety people. And one of the issues is um, what they call fire load. In other words, stuff lying around the place which could um, assist a fire if it was ever to start. Now, we want to have a big clean-up. Now, I'm wondering uh, whether how many people could come and help us for a couple of hours tomorrow night here. We'd need a lot. Not enough. We'll have to do it after the meeting tonight. Um, and we'll still use you if we can, but uh, there's a lot needed. So after the meeting tonight, particularly uh, young fit people, we've got a lot of stuff to come from upstairs rooms to come down, so we'll get you organised to do that, and uh, then if we can still uh, have you here on uh, Monday night and Tuesday, we'll be needing more people to come as well. Okay, all right. So, um, <clears throat> we've just been to camp. How many of you went to camp? It was fantastic, wasn't it? And uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was the, the theme that was chosen. And uh, for those that were there, I'm going to give you a bit more of Romans 12 today. And uh, it was, was really great. I don't know who chose the theme, uh, but it was very good. And each day there was a particular part of it that was used as a theme. And we got a good look at, at Romans 12. And I thought that for those who weren't able to make it, or maybe some who could have made it and didn't bother, well, uh, we don't want you to miss out on the blessing. So uh, here we are in Romans 12. And... Um, Yes, so I'll just skim through it a little bit, I think. We'll start off in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, just the brief point that we see from this, and that was one of the uh, daily uh, themes that was used, that because Jesus gave up everything for us, and uh, we're not being asked to literally give up our life, but we are to sacrifice what we would want to be doing with our day and our weeks and our years to serve the Lord. And uh, it, it's, it's a life of sacrifice being in the Lord. And it's not unpleasant. You give up all sorts of things that this world would consider pleasurable and we would have before. But as we're serving the Lord, we get more blessing and more satisfaction. So that's the message of verse 1. Uh, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so <clears throat> we're reminded, and we often quote this particular verse, don't fashion yourself by the customs of this world and the behaviour of this world. And uh, it's a big issue. Uh, 
and uh, every generation they have different challenges and we really feel for our children these days because they are having to contend with a lot of things that we of older generations didn't have to contend with. Modern inventions. Now they can be very helpful but they can also be a problem. Now I was noticing in the paper a couple of days ago um, how that um, uh, social media can have a very bad effect on some children. I'll read a bit of it. Children as young as 10 are becoming dependent on social media for their sense of self-worth a major study warns. And this is very important to people, and I think particularly young people. Uh, they have a feeling uh, that maybe they're, they're not important, that, that nobody values them. The, the suicide rates amongst young people is, is incredibly high, and it's a terrible shame in this wonderful country that people give up and feel that they haven't got anything worth living for. And so, it says, um, it, it, many youngsters now measure their status by how much public approval they get online, often through likes. Some change their behaviour in real life to boost their image on the web. The report into youngsters aged 8 to 12 was carried out by British Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield. Interesting name. Anyway, she said social media firms we're exposing children to major emotional risks with their youngsters starting secondary school ill-equipped to cope with the avalanche of pressure that they faced online. Snapchat, WhatsApp and Instagram were the most popular social networks for the children even though all three supposedly require users to be at least 13. The youngsters confessed to planning excursions around potential photo opportunities and then messaging friends and friends of friends to demand likes for their posts. The report found youngsters felt their friendships could be at risk if they did not respond to social media posts quickly and around the clock. Children aged 8 to 10 were starting to feel happy when others liked their posts. However, those aged 10 to 12 were concerned with how many people liked their posts, suggesting a need for social validation that gets more intense older they, the older they become. And this lady warned that a, a generation of children risk growing up worried about their appearance and image as a result of the unrealistic lifestyles they follow on platforms like Instagram and Snapchat and increasingly anxious about switching off due to the constant demands of social media. Now, um, we oldies didn't have to contend with that particular temptation. We had others, and we didn't have the drug uh, rage that's on. The alcohol's always been a problem. But um, uh, it's, it's tough. And, but the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. We need to make a stand against all, all these sort of things. And I think a lot of parents are concerned about it too, as to how much I think even... Uh, uh, Ginger Meg's dad in the paper yesterday, uh, he was uh, uh, saying to him, well, why do you spend all your time watching that idiot box? And so Ginger gets out his phone and he said, I didn't mean going from one idiot box to another. And uh, so um, and that's from Ginger Meg's dad, the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Uh, so there we go. So don't be conformed to this world, but God has a, an alternative to be transformed, to be changed from within by the power of the Holy Spirit, that means, 
by renewing of your mind. And what these things do, they're playing havoc with people's minds. They become absolutely obsessed with it. I, I heard a, a sort of a strange little story, um, <clears throat> and I think young ones might relate to this, was I heard about a young lady who was... Uh, uh, saw this young man and she wanted to impress him and uh, she got into conversation with him and so on but it wasn't very long and he found out that she was on the phone all the time he thought he thought she was there to talk to him but she got distracted and well she's lost her chance with that bloke uh, she's not shown much interest she's more interested in what her friends are saying she'd probably tell him oh she's seeing this handsome bloke or something or other, and the handsome bloke was awake up to the fact that uh, the phone was more important. Anyway, all, all the girls are worried now. So there we go. Anyway, nobody present here. You wouldn't do that, would you, girls? Anyway, so we get transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what people are doing, like these children that we're reading of here, and it's not just children and, and teenagers, it's older people as well get carried away with it all. That they are more interested in what other people think of them than what God thinks of them. And that's the key to it all. If we're here to follow the Lord. And okay, we want to have friends and all that sort of thing, but God's got to be number one. It's a matter of priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will fall into place is basically what Matthew uh, chapter 6 is telling us anyway that's about that verse uh, for I say through the grace of God given unto me verse 3 to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly this is again about our thoughts what do we think about ourselves well don't get carried away with your own importance be humble but think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He's given us the ability to work it out, how we approach life and our walk with the Lord and so on. So that's to do with our thoughts. It's very important that we get them into line. The next few verses tell us that we're all to contribute in different ways to the work of the Lord. And it, we won't go into a lot of the details here, but you get your ministries and you get you know, the people who preach the word and all these sort of things in a, in a fellowship. But we're all there to contribute. And these are all part of the way that we make a success of our life in the Lord. And we're there to endure right to the end. We'll go down to uh, verse 9. And it says, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, when you say you love somebody, be sincere about it. And don't just try to convince yourself that you love the brethren if you're more in love with yourself than all the rest put together. As they say, that uh, he who loves himself has no rivals. You need to think about that one. Anyway, it goes on to say, Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good, which was the theme of uh, the, the, the camp, uh, that um, we are to overcome evil with good. So the way to set this about it's a matter of how you prioritize things and what what value you put on things anything that's evil well you you by the grace of god you can learn to to loathe it i don't want to have anything to do with that at all because god has told me in the word and my conscience through the holy spirit is telling me that too i loathe the evil 
you mightn't uh, dislike the people who, who, who are doing it. You love them and you want to bring them to the Lord. But you cling to what is good, cleave to that which is good. So we're not clever enough to be able to do two things thoroughly. We either choose one or the other. And for those of us who have learned to walk happily in the Lord, we have chosen by God's grace to be able to put him first in everything. That doesn't mean we always do it, but that's the desire of our heart. We want to please God above all else, and anything he's, he's, he disapproves of, we don't want to touch it. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and in honour preferring one another. And so <clears throat> we, uh, we're to be kind and we're to be respectful. Respect is an incredibly important word. And <clears throat> any good relationship has a lot of respect both ways. It's, it's very important that we, we do that. And uh, when my generation and lots of generations and lots of parents these days as well still teach their children to respect their elders. I heard a story the other day of somebody who was... Uh, you know, not a child, but a young adult who uh, was being corrected by an older person. And he said, but I'm from Generation Y, you can't talk to me like that. Well, my parents talked to me like that. And I'm glad they did. I mean, my parents were strict. And, uh, <clears throat> you, know, I, I, you know, you can imagine what a, how bad I'd be if they hadn't been. And bad enough now, according to a lot of people, but it's respect is important. And you know, the scriptures say you don't rebuke an older man, you treat him with respect like would your own natural father. And some people look at that, well, I don't respect my father, so why should I respect him? Well, we should respect them, we should respect other people. And there's something about everybody if you look hard enough that you can show some respect to. We're all good at something, particularly spirit-filled people. There's something good about all of us. Sometimes we disguise it fairly well. But let's show respect. Yes, we show respect to the elders. We show respect to our oversight. But we show respect to you. Well, we hope we do. We certainly do. We, we respect your contribution. It's important. So be kind and respectful. Where did we get to? not slothful in business. It's important. We're going to go out into the world and to make a living, but we should be honest. We should be a good testimony in our business because we'll come unstuck. If we can get away with things, we can be deceitful, we can avoid uh, doing lawful things and all that sort of, for a while. But when we get caught up with, what an embarrassment. And it's, it's actually taking the name of the Lord in vain. That was brought out as well at camp. Fervent in spirit, let's be on fire for the Lord, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Yes, we're to be happy, rejoice, we're to be patient, we'd be prayerful. Verse 13 tells us to be generous, to be hospitable. Verse 14 tells us we're to bless and we're not to curse. And in verse 15 it says rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. It's important that because we're family, brothers and sisters together we share our joys and we share our sadness and uh, we help each other through and uh, if we only want to be around people when they're being happy well 
the moment they're sad and we run away, they think, well, you know, thought you were my friend. Anyway, let's go on. Uh, be of the same mind one towards another. Uh, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low, be, low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Okay, let's have a look in verse uh, 17 through to verse 21. I'll read this. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And this is the uh, part I want to talk a little bit about here. Um, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And this <clears throat> is about personal battles that go on inside of us all to some degree or other every one of us has been wronged by somebody or many people or we think we have been and so what do we do about it we want to get our revenge we want to get our own back we want to make them suffer because they made us suffer that's about being re re uh, looking for revenge but the Lord said, don't do that. And why? He says uh, that he will handle it. So <clears throat> this is a big one. When it comes to overcoming evil with good, it's overcoming evil in our own heart and in our own mind. And to be full of vengeance and wanting so much to hate people get this to an extreme they actually commit murder they commit violence they do all sorts of mischievous things to another person because well they deserved it they did me wrong i'm going to get my own back here and so what does the lord say therefore if your enemy hungers feed him if he thirsts give him drink for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that's really the theme of our camp and the theme of this chapter, that to let God fight your battles for us. And all of the points which we rush through there, no matter which one it is, we've got to all be aiming to perfect all of these particular behaviour things and attitude things that we read of here and to grow in the Lord and we should never get to the point where we'll think, well, I'm spirit-filled now, I've arrived, I can sit back and re relax. As uh, a brother was saying in his testimony, he uh, was born again, he became a baby and he didn't like the idea of that um, because, uh, <clears throat> well, I don't know, maybe he was crying at the time, I'm not sure. Anyway, we, 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 need, to, we need to overcome all of these things. Now, I want to take that last... Uh, couple of verses there and to illustrate it with a great story from the old testament is one of my favorites it's in first samuel chapter 25 first samuel 25 and uh, <clears throat> what did we read there that we are not to avenge ourselves but we are to let god do it for us now <clears throat> a bit of reading here so first samuel chapter 25 and uh, we read in verse 2, there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. Now, 
we're, we're, we're picking the story up here. It's a lot of uh, Samuel is about the story of King David and so on. And um, he was being persecuted by the king. Uh, God had told Saul that he had failed as a king and uh, David had been anointed to become the new king and Saul knew this and, and he wanted to get rid of David and he tried several times but David had a fantastic attitude and so David had run away and he got a number of other people, a few hundred others had uh, come and I think they're a bit of a ragtag crew from what we can gather but nevertheless they were out there and um, they were just not wanting to you know, fight with the, with the king but they were just trying to keep away from him. And so here they were, and, the, and it talks about another man, um, and he was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing sheep in Carmel, this, near this uh, place. Now, the name of the na- man was Nabal, which is an interesting name because it means fool, and uh, he uh, certainly showed it. And the name of his wife was Abigail, and, um, which means a source of joy. So all the Abigails in the congregation can look at their uh, family and say, well, I'm the source of your joy, but don't get too carried away about it all. But anyway, it means a source of joy, and she's married to a fool. Well, she wasn't all that smart getting married to him, was she? But maybe he grew that way. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Absolute pain, in other words. And uh, he was churlish. And evil in his doing, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal. And greet him in my name, and thus shall you say to him that lives in prosperity, Peace be to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace unto all that that thou hast. And now I've heard that you have shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. If you've lost me, I'm down to verse 8 now. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore let the young men find favour in thine eyes, for we come in in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servant and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and, and ceased. But Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all these things. And so David wasn't happy. He said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. Right. Dems fighting words. We're going to go out and fix this guy. And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword, and they went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. That's all the goods, piles of wood and so on. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, and said, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But this was one of 
uh, Nabal's men spoke to Mrs. Nabal. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them. And so he went on and said how that David's men had protected their flocks and them from uh, robbers and from wild beasts and so on, and uh, we wouldn't have been so well off if they hadn't been here. Now all they're asking for is to have some meat so that they can feed them. And they said, but, you know, your husband, this foolish man you're married to, has just been rough with them and told them to go away. And now David's upset and he's going to come and kill you all. And so it was crisis time. And um, then, verse 18, then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed. That means they were actually undressed, just uh, in their... uh, uh, they'd been skinned and and uh, ready to eat. And five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. She, she was pretty wise. She knew uh, he wouldn't agree with this. So she did it. As Sometimes when wives disobeyed their husband, it's actually a good thing. But not always. Anyway, it was so that as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill and said, And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had, had said, Surely in vain have I kept all this fellow out in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertaineth unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. And so this is the way he summed it up. I've been good to this guy and his people, and he has returned my good with his evil. And so he deserves to die. And then when we get into the flesh, that's the way we can look at things. But anyway, we see how that, uh, that, that Abigail decided that she uh, would, would talk to, uh, to, uh, to David, and she did. Um, verse 23, And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And so she was pl- taking the blame for her stupid husband. And a few wives think they understand that, but um, I won't ask for any particular to put up their hands because mine might. Anyway, let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, he's, he's of the devil, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him, but I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord when they, you, you did send. She said, I didn't see these young men you sent, and so it's all my husband, he's always saying stupid and doing stupid things, but I'm begging with you not to be angry and to take it out on us and so uh, there she uh, she went on to to say we read verse 27 now this blessing which thy handmaid has brought in my lord she said i've got all of these gifts here of food to give you and verse 28 i pray thee forgive the trespass of thine handmaid for the lord will certainly make my lord a sure house because my lord fighted the battles of the lord and evil had not been found in the all my days now she somehow or other knew that david had been anointed to be the king and because he'd been anointed by the prophet samuel it would surely happen because she knew that god kept his promise 
And so she was reminding David of his position with the Lord. And that's a very important point here. David had momentarily forgotten this. In the heat of the moment, this guy has, has, has got under my skin big time and I'm going to kill him and uh, anyone that's associated with him. But she said, you seem to be forgetting that God has made you these great promises. And it goes on to say in verse 29, yet a man is risen to pursue thee and seek thy souls. He's talking about, she must have known about Saul was after him. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thy enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. He said, God will deal with, with your enemies and it shall come to pass, she reasoned with David, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good which he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, when the time to come, when you become king and you look back over your life, this is, if you go ahead and let your anger rule you, you are going to really regret this. That this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offensive heart unto my Lord, even that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. She's, she said, look, just stop and think about what you're doing. You are God's anointed. You have been called to this special privilege of being the king over God's people. And it'll happen in good time, but your impatience has nearly caused you to do something terrible that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. A lesson for all of us, the heat of the moment. We can get really upset about things and we can do something really dumb. We could be violent, we could be murderous, we could be hateful, we could be vicious with our tongue, we can do all sorts of things in the heat of the moment and we can look to avenge ourselves and he deserved it. He stole from me, he was nasty to me, he this and she that and all these sort of things. We've probably all been there, you know, maybe tipping on the edge a little bit like David was, maybe not strapped our sword on quite yet. Anyway, and David said to Abigail, I love this bit, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me. He said, oh, I'm so glad you're here and I'm glad of your advice. And blessed be thy advice and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. He said, you saved me from doing something really bad. And I'm so thrilled to meet you. I'm so thrilled that you have given me this great advice. And so he backed off, accepted the gift. She went home. She didn't tell her husband about what had happened because he was blind drunk. And, uh, but in the morning, she told him all that was going to happen. And uh, he suddenly was struck down. We'll pick it up here in a verse or two. Um, and in verse 37, it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of him and his, uh, his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became as stone. And it came to pass after 10 days that the Lord smote Nabal and he died. So God fixed him up anyway. And so God will deal with our enemies. If we leave it to God and we return 
a good for evil. And, uh, and it's not just our enemies, it's with our brothers and sisters. We all have problems in a fellowship. We're human beings. We're spirit-filled human beings, so we can do better than we would have before. And a lot of others are doing. And so he said here, uh, verse 39, And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that has pleased the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and hath kept his servant from evil. Uh, for the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his head. So what did he do? He sent a, straight, a message straight away to Abigail. He said, I want, to, I want you to marry me. And she said, okay. And they got married and lived happily ever after. So what a, what a great story. All right, so there we go. Now, how can we achieve this? Well, I just want to take you to the New Testament for a moment. And we read in the book of Acts... After Jesus, chapter 1, after Jesus had died for our sins, we're going to have a communion service shortly. I haven't said much about that, but uh, you'll hear a little bit of that, about that in a moment. And Jesus died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He ascended up into heaven. And just before he went up, he gathered with his disciples and he told them to wait in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. And uh, as we read here in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so you're going to receive the authority to preach the gospel. You're going to receive power to be able to overcome all sorts of things. The power of God will come into your life even even uh, Peter, the great apostle, he uh, it was full of good intentions, but he was weak. And uh, the, the night he was tested, when Jesus had been arrested, and uh, he denied the Lord three times, as Jesus said that he would. But after he received the Holy Spirit, this power that was spoken of here, we read about in the next chapter, he was... Uh, he and the, and the others, uh, 120 of them, were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke with tongues... And this Peter, who denied the Lord, stood up and preached to the crowd. And he said, you killed the Son of God, but God raised him from the dead. And uh, they suddenly were convicted by the preaching of this spirit-filled man. And they were convicted, convicted in their hearts. And so they realized, what can we do? And he said, you repent, you get baptized, and God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you will then have the power of God in your life. And so we go on to read and we talk a lot about these things and, and surely we should. I mean, a lot of us came or some of us came out of churches um, and uh, we didn't hear anything about the Holy Spirit. We used to hear just a little bit about it. When they christened a baby, which is wrong anyway, they used to sprinkle a little bit of water on their head and say, in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Ghost, I baptise you, which wasn't baptism, I sprinkle you, they should have said. And... Uh, but it was just a word and the other time we heard it was at the end of the church service when the minister said in the name of the father and son and holy ghost you can all go home and uh, or something like that but that's what it meant but when you receive the holy spirit it's a vital tr life transforming experience it comes into your life and there is power that you didn't have there before and the testimonies, you've had a couple today, but if you're a visitor here, we could line up 
We've got a few hundred people here today and we could line people up and you could go along and say, what happened to you when you received the Holy Spirit? And people would be able to tell you, as their brother Mark did, were delivered from alcohol and all sorts of other uh, sicknesses and so on. And uh, people have been healed miraculously by the power of God. A lot of bad habits have been taken away. And the thing to me that is just sort of so wonderful, or many things wonderful, but it goes on. And, you know, I was bragging about my 60th birthday at camp because I was born again on the New Year's Eve in 1957 when the Holy Spirit came into my life. And, uh, but it's, it's still exciting. It's still fresh and it's new every day because the Lord is teaching us something new every day and, and we're growing in the Lord. And this is just a little sample. The story we went through here today is just an example of how that God, with God's help, we can overcome temptation, whatever it is. And we can uh, grow in the Lord. And as we read here, that we will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And uh, we hope that everyone here who is filled with the Spirit, and that's most of us, appreciates the fact that you've got the power to overcome whatever is thrown at you. No matter what anyone else has done to you, you've got the power to be able to overcome that. And uh, whatever bad habits you've got, whatever bad thoughts that you've got, we can overcome evil with good, with God's help. And all the people said, Amen. Okay, now, who's taking communion?